0: Everybody wants to work Not, not, not me Everybody's up to work Oh, no, not me Everybody has to
1: work Not, not, not me oh, Not me Everybody
0: goes to work Not, uh, uh, not me Ho, 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 ho <laughs> Ho, ho, ho. Oh, it's prostitutes galore. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh,
2: honestly. Haven't you learned anything? Uh, no, I know. I should, I should have gone with the fra la la, shouldn't I? The rumpa bum You should have gone with the fra la la. All, right, all right, all right. And the real one will go rum bum bum. Rumpa bum
3: bum. No, no, no. Not
0: that. Oh. That's the worst Christmas song there is. Okay, The so... little drummer boy. And I tell you, have a listen to Joan Jett's version of it. That is a stinker.
2: <laughs> Merry Christmas, Brian Menix.
3: Merry Christmas, Kevin (laughs)
0: And Merry Christmas
2: to anybody listening. And welcome to uh, Life of Brian Mannix. That is uh, our final show for uh, 2020 and Uh, our Christmas edition. And
0: Brian, I'm excited about this. The stocking is stuffed. You'll be rocking in your stocking yeah, when you, will. you see my big surprise. <laughs> I can't you? believe I can't believe they let me sing that at the carols by candlelight. <laughs> oh. You'll be rocking in your stocking when you see my big surprise. Oh, that's just disgusting! <laughs> and the little kids at the front of the thing were going, oh, that's people were frightened when I was going to take an eye out or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh. and, and incidentally, Kev, mm-hmm. they haven't asked me back to do the carols by candlelight since. <laughs> well, if you're rocking and you're stocking when you see my big surprise. Oh,
2: what a great surprise that is. That was ah. the, big, the big surprise was you were, that was your gig, you, you made the most of it and you're never getting another one again. Mind well. you, didn't I give uh, Rhonda Birchmore the, uh, the, the the lemon and sass this year too?
0: I don't know what she does with her lemon and Kev, <laughs> but um you know it's certainly none of our business. Yes, yeah, all she's right. She's a lovely girl, Rhonda. What they're yeah. not letting her sing, is that what no, you're saying?
2: No, she's got the answer. Were you talking she,
0: about her you know
2: No, she got the her flick her derriere?
0: No, she got the flick. She got the flick. She's not on carols. Well I don't think there are any carols this year, are there? Well there are, I'm pretty sure there are. And I don't think oh, she's I don't on. It. I thought the whole thing got cancelled.
2: Oh okay. Because they
0: were complaining that you can have thirty thousand or something to the boxing day test, but you can't have anybody at the cows by Kenlight. Now that may have changed but as I understood it, nah can't have any people at the cows by candlelight, even though most of them are kids. Asleep. Now,
2: Christmas hasn't been cancelled, has it? To the best of your knowledge?
0: To the best of my knowledge, it hasn't. But Dan Andrews has got to make an uh, <laughs> announcement, <laughs> and uh, it's very likely he'll just cancel the whole thing. He's, he's yeah, getting cr- he's getting a private security company to come in and cancel <laughs> Christmas.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so be, we'll
0: all be celebrating Christmas and because the private be, security. They'll all be, be walking useless. around
2: singing. You'll be uh, you'll get a big shock when you see my big
0: surprise. Well um, ho 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 ho. <laughs> oh. A bit too
2: much of that. Now righto, now let's talk about uh, this uh, this program. Now we're going to have a lot a lot of uh, sort of
0: special oh. guest appearances on this. It is a cast of thousands practically, Kev.
2: And we have one very special guest that uh, is well, going to take up most of this the program. We've got the boss. Yes. We've
0: got the boss, but not that horrible boss from America. With the oh. mediocre songs, that, with the gravelly voice. Oh, yeah. We've yeah. got the really good boss. Yep. The Australian boss. Yep. Ross the boss. Ross the boss Wilson. What a what a legend this man is.
2: What a wonderful that. career. Gee whiz. Oh,
0: I don't think anybody has contributed to Australian music. Maybe Gadinsky, maybe Molly, but he's got to be in the top three, Ross Wilson, you know, he, Daddy Cool was the biggest album we'd ever seen. Yeah. Living in the 70s, which he produced, was the biggest album we'd ever seen. Yeah. Ego was nearly as big. He wrote some of Farnham's best songs. Yeah. Just keeps on going. What a absolute legend. And you didn't even mention Mondo Rock, which is a band that I really, really like. I like the early version of Mondo. Really? Yeah, I know that. um, Yeah, when he had Peter Laffey and uh, Randy Bullpin in.
2: I like the McCasker version because I like Eric's songs and I like Eric and Ross writing together. I think they did some really good stuff.
0: They did indeed.
3: All right. So
2: Ross, the boss Wilson, is our guest going to get to him in just a tick? But also, this is like one of those pop up shops, Um, because all sorts of people. See what pops up. Sit on my knee and we'll see what pops up. Exactly right. Uh, That's going to happen right throughout the program too. Some of the uh, the special guests. But remind about, and you'll also hear from uh, 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 the man who runs this particular organisation, Murcott's Driving Excellence. Joe Walsh's best friend. Yes, that's right, he is. Mercots.edu.au 1300 555 576. Now jump online because you've still got time to get a Christmas gift voucher at a discount rate up until the uh, the 24th, I think it is, of December. So make sure that uh, it might even be the 25th of December. So if you're, you know, hunting around, thinking about a gift idea and you're coming up zero zero zeros, well here's a, here's a terrific gift. Absolutely fantastic gift, a voucher from Murcott's Driving Excellence. But let's... Uh, Let's bow and uh, and kneel and uh, and genuflect and do all the things you do when a great man enters uh, the uh, the room, Brian. Because now we're going to oh, meet our, look. our special guest.
0: And, and he, you, actually, I forgot to tell you too, mm-hmm. which we Might. he was King Mondo in the Wiggles. Yeah, yeah, they did a version of Evil Rock, didn't they? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah I
0: forgot about that. All right.
2: Mm. Well, here know, he is, and treat him with the respect that he deserves, please, Brian. I'll try.
4: Hello, Mr. Wilson. Hello.
5: Hello, Mannix. <laughs> <laughs>
4: How are you, my friend? That's
6: like saying hello. That's well, the guy, the... Yes, Newman.
4: And Dennis de
6: to us say, hello, Mr. Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, hello. What are we doing? We're having a chat. Well, it, it, it's all life, of Brian, but really it's anything but the life of Brian. It's everybody else's life. But, yeah, their life is much, far more interesting than mine, so, you know, let's uh-huh. just go with that. So... Where do we start with with Mr. Wilson? Daddy Cool. How did Daddy Cool start, Mr. Wilson? sort of started when I went away to join a band in England at their invitation in 1969. That was Procession? 1969. Procession. I'd been working in Australia, and they were like half New Zealand, half Pommies, and they had been Norm Rose backing band for a while. And then they became the procession. And they went to England and they were trying to make records and all the rest of it. And then somebody left and they had a bright idea. Oh, let's get a front man. They already have a singer, a guitarist, Nick Rogers, but they said, well, maybe we need a front man, you know. And we've seen Ross around in the traps. with band, The Party Machine, and he writes songs and he sings. So I having nothing much better to do because part The Party Machine had been on this our first big tour and got royally ripped off <laughs> by everybody. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, and then the to the put the cherry on top as we were playing we played a week's residency at this jump in um Newcastle and uh, the roadie stole all our equipment. Oh, <laughs> <So geez>. we, <laughs> kept, we came back to Melbourne with our tail between the, our legs and just around <laughs> then I got um a call from the professor, you No, know, uh Brian Peacock the Westlake thinking, well, things are pretty grim around here. <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy said, yeah, okay, and Hannah said, that's cool, I want to go back to art school, and, and they all kind of went off and did other things, and I had just got a, a check in the mail because, uh, you remember when they had checks? Right, I got a check. Yeah. And, and it was about $2,000 because when I was about 15, I got hit by a car, and it was third-party insurance, you know. got <laughs> <laughs> this money that when I turned 21, I got the money. So I had $2,000 so I bought myself a ticket to England because they, they didn't have any money much either. You know, they weren't going to pay for my ticket. So as a beauty, I'll, I'll go over there. And, and so I spent about, I don't know, about all of the summer of their summer, you know, middle of the year, uh, playing with procession. And they had this huge mansion, which no one wanted to live in the countryside in those days. They wanted to live in London, but, you know, it's different now. And had this mansion that they had for 25 pounds a week, and that, you know, they, there was like five or six band members, and everybody had their own room and bath and God. huge kind of gardens everywhere and surrounded by a forest. It was amazing. So we got a, had a residency at, on Saturday nights for about a month at the Marquee Club, the very Marquee Club. And yeah. There, was, there were bands sort of springing up around the time, like King Crimson and stuff. They were, so I remember they we supported them one night. You know, they were brand new. In the meantime I'd bought myself a guitar over there and, and I started writing some other stuff and I, I was getting interested in um, you know, the kind of, it happens very the kind of music you heard when you were a kid. And I started writing a little tune that went song da on the guitar, trying to play guitar. Oh, that had never worked though, Ross. <laughs> yeah. did, did you think of something else? Yeah, so was, was, that's was where it started, you know. Anyway, yeah. the band, that band eventually broke up and I came back to Australia. Uh, a rather long journey with my new bride, Patricia, um, over the land and with so little money and uh, we went through Europe, hitchhiked through Europe and when we got to sort of Turkey we couldn't get hitchhiking anymore so we jumped on buses and, and we ran all through places. We had... We heard you could sell your blood for 50 bucks in Kuwait. So 50 bucks American was like 500 bucks then. So we thought, you know, we'll do that, you know. So we went went down by bus through uh, through the desert and everything through um, Syria, Iraq, Kuwait, where we got a bit sick and people took us into their house and looked after us and then up the Persian Gulf in an Arab Dow to Iran. All these places you can't go anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so there was rather, it was sort of the making of Ross Wilson. It was my odyssey, you know. I came finally we landed in oh we went to, you know, Malaysia and India and all these places. Finally landed in uh Darwin with hardly any money. So we both got jobs at the Darwin Hotel. Uh I was like a what they called a groundsman or something like that, when, which means you empty gully traps and trim the bogan billier and do whatever you're told, you know. So and and um and Patricia she got a job as conda way into it, a, a job as a cocktail waitress. So we 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 stayed there for about six weeks or so making money. Meanwhile, I was thinking of more of these songs. I remember trimming the bogan billiard and going, do Bob Changeling and the gold Cadillac. You know, and writing these songs in my head. Um, yeah. Finally, we, we got back to Melbourne, caught a bus from Darwin to Melbourne. And so we we've finally got to Melbourne and I had a guitar. So I, was, I remember sitting in the back room and going, thinking, this song needs something else. <laughs> so I just started going, hey, hey. Well, what's the next chord? Oh, oh that sounds nice. Yeah. D minor, just playing the chords I knew. Minor, ooh, that nice. D minor, oh that's a nice G back to A again. And so I had a chorus. So I had a whole song. Then I had to think about, you know, getting band together. So like I was working all these casual jobs like, you know, painting machinery in a factory and packing uh polystyrene trays they used to put meat on in the supermarkets and you know, pack about a quarter of a million of those a week. And then I got a job at this book warehouse and bumped into Gary Young, the drummer. Thought, and he was out of work, but there was this record band at that time. It was a 1970s. There was a fight between the record companies and the
4: overseas and players. and the
6: radio people, right? So, yeah. all the made record companies weren't getting their records played. So all the all the dances started closing. The band started, you know, people weren't going out to see their new bands because they weren't having hit records. So Gary was um, at, out of work. So he was at the book warehouse too. So he knew Wayne Duncan, and I knew Ross Hannaford and we formed this wild band called Sons of the Vegetable Mother.
2: That's right. It's
6: kind of pretty out there. Oh, I was just going to ask you, where did that title come from, <laughs> Sons of the Vegetable okay. Mother? It came from a vegetarian book. Oh, we okay. Like Sons of the Veg- Vegetable Mother. In other words, without plants, we can't survive. It's
3: oh, okay.
6: And, and we sang songs about food. Songs about food. Yeah, yeah. what was called <laughs> about I said, Brown right is better than white no. <laughs>
3: it's,
6: it's fantastic, a really good song. And uh, <laughs> so I was experimenting with that. Meanwhile, we started playing Eagle Rock in that band. That was the first band to play Eagle Rock. <clears throat> Out of that, you know, Hannah, you know, you know that kind of music we both like. You know, all time R and B and doo But he goes, yeah. Well, you know, Gary and Wayne, you know know about that stuff, don't you? Oh, yeah, we love rock and roll, you know. Let's form a band that just does that and play some of these songs I've written, like Eagle Rock. And they say, okay. So we started rehearsing. It was like, whoa. We brought agency guys from the CFH Forum around, and Jerry Humphreys was there too. It was like one of our early rehearsals. So he he used to be MC, Jerry Humphreys and the Love One. Remember that the Love One? Oh, yeah, yeah. So they came around, and then George hit the floor, they went, this is fantastic. So Sons of Vegetal Mother and Daddy Cool, because I'd not named the band Daddy
4: Cool. Uh, Where does that course. name come from, Ross?
6: Well, it was interesting. I came up with the name, I'm sure, by myself, and then I was telling this neighbor who was this sort of hippie student guy that I'd become friends with, he says, So what are you doing now, Ross? I said, I'm rehearsing this new band called Daddy Cool. He says, Daddy Cool, after that record, and I said, What record? He goes, Oh, and he ran home around the corner and bought oh single around it by the diamond that was like yeah. silhouettes on one side and Daddy Cool on the other side. So we immediately learned that song, you know, Daddy Cool. Daddy, Daddy God, Cool, Daddy Cool. Daddy Cool. Daddy cool. Yeah. Learned it in about yeah. five minutes and that was our theme song. So then in the middle of October, we were both booked to play at this Aquarius Blues Festival or something like that in, in Adelaide at the Glenelg Town Hall. So that was Daddy Cool's first gig and we so she thought we'd have an out-of-town tryout out because we were going to play at the T.F. Mudd's so we played there, and and like there, and then also when we played at the first gig at the CF Ballroom, everyone was you know in those days they sit around listening to Spectrum or something. They sit on the floor and everyone play long solos and stuff. We go on and we went, blah, 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 you know, and everyone jumped up and started dancing and bouncing off the walls, and, and that was it. That was it. It was just like boom, took on playing those gigs, and by the end of the summertime, we were basically the hottest thing in Melbourne, and we got um, a record deal. And, Put out a record in, I think, April or something. was Eagle Rock came now. Went straight to number one. Boom. There you yeah. go. And it was number one for about 40 weeks too, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. In Melbourne, 17 weeks and nationally, 10 weeks. At first, we couldn't get played anywhere else. But then we got a gig supporting the Kink. Um oh, okay, okay. And we played in Sydney. And the, they sort of got the message that we were getting big. And so we'd been driven from the airport to wherever we were going and we heard it on the radio in Sydney, and we're going, yeah, we're in, you know. So it took off everywhere after that. It's a great feeling when you first hear your song on the radio. No, it's amazing, it? yeah. <laughs> I do get excited when I hear my song on the radio. No, one of the, I do, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things too, though, which
4: was pretty rare for them days, is you actually made a film clip for Eagle Rock, and really, nobody made film clips in those
6: no, days. Well, you know why we made the film clip? is because our buddy, Spectrum, this is, this is interesting. People don't sort of mention this much, but the Party Machine, out of that came me and Russ Hannaford and Mike Rudd, right? We yep. stood up and we formed Daddy Cool and Spectrum. Well, Spectrum were already going and they put out I'll Be Gone. so oh, you number one, they had a film clip by our mutual friend Chris Lafayne, who was a, a, also a muser, that was getting into making films. He made this film clip for them and we went, see, that's pretty cool. Let's make a film clip. Can you make one for us, Chris? He goes, yeah, no way i would be following you. He'd been following us around taking footage of us, like playing at my Ponga festival and all that kind of stuff. So we had all this great raw footage, and that's what you see in the Eagle Rock clip, you know, yeah. us playing before we'd even made a record, playing and people going nutty in this festival. Mm-hmm. Then we shot a few extra scenes, like walking into the hamburger joint and playing the jukebox and yeah. dancing with girls and all that, yeah. and uh, stuck it all together, you know, and it cost $300. So, look, here's the wow. time when we put the, the record out, there was a few you know, music shows, and, of course, they played the clip and the record was really hot. So I got played all around the nation. Of course, the penny didn't drop until years later, or well, a couple of years later, the film clips were really helpful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you said, people just didn't make them much. You know? I yeah. remember that was, you know, they, they had about oh, they had music videos and songs all day. It was very rare. But, yeah, they
4: played Eagle Rock probably six times because they didn't have enough film clips. So by the end of that day, it was tattooed in my brain. Ben you were off. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
6: We went on tour with the Kinks, like I mentioned, and we played, I think, Sydney and Adelaide, and after Adelaide, the management said, these guys are more popular than the Kinks, they kicked us off the tour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I loved the Kinks. I loved them. You know, they were a big inspiration when I was getting started. And you just rubbed your nose in it. The kinks don't like us. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> but you must have got a kick out. So, well, you know, I kicked the kinks, ask How about that? But when that was our whole thing, we didn't care if we if we had to open for some big act because our whole thing was like, we'll blow these fuckers off stage, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so we, I remember we played uh, for Billy Thorpe at the Melbourne Town Hall. before. We now, that's a, big, that's a big ask. Yeah. yeah. yeah so he, Billy. he had every app he could lay his hands on. He had these big blow-up things you know, inflatable dingos and stuff. And, you know, R- Morgan got up and played the organ at the town hall. And everything was loud, mate. But we'd already been on. We got a gig, and we were only getting paid $40. But our manager said, do this gig because it's going to be a huge audience and forget about the money. It's going to be really good. Yeah, so, of course, right. we were people were nuts. So I remember, like, it was before Billy Thorpe would come on. Yeah, we played. I remember actually seeing a guy, you know, that, how they say, hanging from the rafters, <laughs>
3: so hanging
6: from the balcony. <laughs> at the Melbourne oh, I, don't know, I don't know how I It Must have got pulled back up again. And, then, and they, you know, but uh, with Nuts and, and uh, so a couple of weeks, about a month later, we were headlining there. We still hadn't put out a record. We had it. <laughs> we, we, we sold the joint out. And people were conga lining out the door and into Swanson Street and back again. That's how kind of wild it was, you know. And they stood on all the chairs and broke furniture and stuff. So we got banned. And playing there again. <laughs> well, that's got to be good too. That's good for the yeah. Like, ah, yeah. At that so, show, the guy who ran the disc shop, John McDonald, he'd started a label called Spa Mac because it's Spa and Mac, Spa, with Ken Sparks, the DJ. So Spa Mac. And he brought along his new partner because Ken Sparks wanted to sell his share to Robbie Porter, who <laughs> used to be Rob E.G., yeah. you know, pop star, instrumentalist, and a singer, and good-looking young guy, seen on from Sydney, had gone off to America and he was doing things over there as acting and he was, so he wanted his record label back in Australia. So McDonald says, you've got to come and see these guys at the, at the Melbourne Town Hall, we should sign them, it was fantastic. So he comes along and the place is just going nuts, so they're going we want to sign it, we want to sign it and we've had our overtures from the major labels but I wasn't too keen on signing with a major label, because Party Machine had been with uh, EMI and they kind of hadn't done anything. We'd only put out one single, and they, just, they never paid us and all of that kind of stuff. So I said, "Yeah, bugger that. We'll sign with an indie." So we signed with them, and and Porter uh, produced the record and did a really good job. He took the and I don't think it's just happened before. He, he took the multi tracks, which were only I think only kind of eight tracks actually, eight track recording from um, Armstrongs, and took that to. America to LA and got this really good guy to mix it, and that's why it sounded so good. Well, wow. yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because you were probably the only band that sent their stuff off to
4: America to get mixed, and, and see, I think that was a sensational idea because if you listen to that album today, it holds up yeah. really well. It's,
6: yeah, it sounds different from everything else that was coming out because it was something that I didn't really like. But they used to wrench everything in reverb. you listen to the Daddy Cool record. It's sort of like what A C D C did a bit later. You know, they're very dry. It's just the sound of the guitars. There's a tiny weeny bit of delay on the voice, but it's just the sound of the band, you know, playing yeah. and grinding away, you know. It's really, really, really cool. So um that was a that was a brilliant thing to have happened to us. And I'd already been to England, right? I've mentioned that before. Yeah. Like Australian bands were all going to England all the time, you know, the Twilights and Master Apprentices and everything. They just all want to go to England because the Beatles and the Stones came from England and they loved them, right? Yeah. All the bands that I saw, English bands like Free and King Crimson and all of these guys, they all just wanted to go to America because that penny dropped for me. And when I got back to Australia, I was like, well, you know, I've don't. i been to England, I don't really want to go there now. So this Overture from, you know, Porter was based in America and all the music I loved was America too. R and B and blues, and that was inspiration of Daddy Cool. And so when it was like, "Oh, we'll mix this in America," I was like, "Yeah, great." Uh, we went to America and we got a deal with Warner Reprise. So when we went and toured over there, it was like, "Great, that's where I want to be." You know, fantastic.
2: Hey, you toured with a lot of really interesting bands in America too, like ones that I wouldn't have thought would have suited oh, yeah. Daddy Cool, like Earth, Wind and Fire. Did you support them? Here's the rundown. The first. Thing with The time we went, we played the Whiskey Ugo-Go and that was just showcase so everyone could see
6: us and and we landed our deal because of that. Then the next time we went on this big tour and that the labels used to run the tours. Oh, which, okay. So everyone was from the same label, right? Get this. It was like Deep Purple, right? <laughs> Fleetwood Mac, sort of mid-period Fleetwood Mac before they became really big. And Daddy Cool. Good God. So it's like... Three completely different bands. You know? <laughs> we had to open our first gig in uh, on that tour, we had to open it Madison Square Garden, opening for those two guys oh, to, wow. to act. And we get there and we're going, What? And our stupid American managers would say, We wanna you know, we need a face amp and we need this and that. They put they this equipment and the face amp was like a tiny little one speaker amp sitting on the floor. <laughs> 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 the bloody madness. <laughs> we had to we go what the fuck you know <laughs> run all around town hiring equipment you know it was incredible anyway we did the gig and everyone seemed to like it so what happened was the Deep Purple singer Ian Gilliam got glandular fever so after about five gigs they weren't on the bill anymore so we'd arrive into town and the gig cancelled or there was another act on and it always a bit of a scramble, you know so we lost a lot of money and all that but the people who did see us loved it that was good so then the, the next tour we did was sort of what we should have been doing in the first place, which is playing colleges, because that's that's sort of how we got big in Australia. Right? We play regular gigs, but we'd also play unis, and you know, you know the game. Yeah. yeah, We'd play school in the afternoon and a gig at night. You know, we went on this tour that took us to a lot of colleges, and that that on, one of the gigs was um, with Earth, Wind, and Fire and a local band, and we opened up, and it was in like a basketball arena at the at the uh, college. So we opened up, and then. First & Fire came on, and they're going, gee, we really like you guys. We met, they met We met them backstage before they went on. and said, I love what you're doing, you know, da-da-da-da-da. They come on, and they've got about eight or nine people, you know, in the band. Yeah. Well, the PA blows up. And so you, oh. know, you can't hear their vocals. You couldn't hear them singing. So they're going, ah, oh. And I tried to fix the PA, and it still wouldn't work. So they went, oh, well. And they just started jamming, like funky jamming, you know, for like an hour or so. We just having a great time, you know. without without the PA, and that was, like, mind-blowing. It was like, you know, that they would just kind of, like, just carry on. Uh You know, that was a real kind of eye-opener. It doesn't doesn't matter. You know, just keep playing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was really good, yeah. Daddy Cool's going berserk in Australia. The album's probably in the charts for a year. Eagle Rock's huge. Come Back Again is huge. It's just smashed it out of the park. You do a couple more albums. Um, Uh, We did did a second album and shot ourselves in the foot because, Sex, drugs, and rock and roll equals teenage heaven. <laughs> great title. So we were putting a few. I wanted to get a bit more contemporary. We are putting a few of it. It was a song that we'd done in uh, Sons of Vegetable Mother, Love in an FJ. It was pretty out there. And so we wrote a couple other songs to go with that. And then Baby Let Me Bang Your Box. Baby Let Me Bang Your Box. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, you know, it hit with, with Hi, Honey, Ho. By the time that album came out in, in the States, we'd recorded a couple of extra tracks while we were in the States. One was Teenage Blues, and the other one was gone, I'll Never Smile Again, which is like a rule stage oh, yeah. So they took some of the offending tracks off and put those down, <laughs> and they sat the title title down to Teenage Heaven, which is probably what we should have done in the first place, you know, in Australia. <laughs> because what happened was everyone thought we were like furry, cuddly, you know, daddy cool people. <laughs> and then we bring out Sex No and I was like, well,
4: what happened? Yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the lollipop guy? <laughs> you know, you just, there was good daddy cool and there was evil daddy cool. You know, it's like, it like what happened to the Beatles when they, you know, they they were all mop tops and that, and then they started bringing out revolver and things like that. and Everyone's going like, what? what What? What? You know?
2: Not the first time in your I, career you've been described as obscene and seditious.
6: No, no. It started all that with the Party Machine. We yeah. put out a song. One of the songs was, I don't believe all your kids should be virgins.
3: <laughs> uh a
6: pretty good song. you know? It was about conceptual rev- revolutions going on and everyone could take the pill and not get pregnant and stuff. So I was thinking about that, you know. But some kid's mother got a hold of the songbook and called the bike one. <laughs> and they raided the place, the uh, go where they had the, we had, they printed them up for it. And go got into trouble for publishing this book. <laughs> I didn't get into trouble at all, you know, because I hadn't published it. It was like, I'd ordered it, but I wasn't distributing them. You know, it was Ghosthead's fault. <laughs> oh,
2: so they <laughs> so, got – oh, okay, I didn't realise yeah, that they were the ones who got, got into trouble. Oh, wow. Yeah, they got into trouble for printing
6: it, you know, and, and sending okay. it to kids and stuff, you know, because they, they had some prizes. Some kid won a record. So the guy at Ghosthead said, I took in one of those songbooks as an extra thing, you know.
3: Yeah.
6: <laughs> 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 and mother gets a hold of it and goes, wow!
3: <laughs>
6: I would got to go on the news, but, well, Mr Wilson, why, why did you put this, why is this book, i just, you know, trying to get people to see the lyrics to our songs, there's nothing bad about it, you know. They finally went into court, and the magistrates were sort of looking at it, and because the vice squad, you know, and Arthur Lila and Henry Bolter, you were these two idiots that ran the state at that time, they were um, you know, political heavyweights, so they were trying to make an example of rock and roll, and the magistrate, I think, had Felt he had to do something, and, he, and his judgment was, well, it's not particularly obscene. There's no dirty words or anything in it, but you know, I ordered them to be destroyed. <laughs> so you know, so that they had to pulp them all or burn them or whatever. I've still got
4: a couple of copies. You mentioned, um, I'll never smile again. Yeah, and that there's a fantastic vocal performance from you. In mm-hmm. that there's that note in the middle. And I don't know if you've got somebody to kick you in the balls no, to no. reach it <laughs> because it is the highest note. And the first time I heard it, I just went, wow, he's, no, he's a really, singer really so special singer. I, I think you, vocally, everybody talks about, you know, Farnham and, and blah, but I think you're probably one of the best singers in, in Australia. Thank and that song particularly yeah. shows it, I reckon.
6: Yeah, I can't sing that high anymore. I have to change the key. But <laughs> that's okay. That's <laughs> all right. You did it once with I had a version by the Ink Spots, and I got together with Hannah at my house, and we started doing. it. I said we should do this song, and for some reason, from the very beginning, like when we the band played it, this is kind of a great thing about Daddy Cool. Certain things we could do really well, and we played it, and it just fell together straight away. And I always felt really comfortable singing that song, and you know, I could do falsetto and all that, and so it became a big bit of a showstopper. No, but even though it was a, soft, a ballad, you know, and slow, people would just get mesmerized by it, and I yeah. could show off a bit. So when we were recording it, we needed these extra tracks for the American version of c Seven. Porter it took us into, I think it was the record plant in L.A. We just did it live in the studio. Like, I sang it live, and the oh, guys were going, wow. ooh, ooh, and in ah, the background live. There's only one overdub on the whole thing. It's a little guitar piece that somebody wow. kind of put on it. And we sat. We we set up. Gary had his drum kit there, and I'm standing next to everybody. We had sort of some baffles on the guitar amps, but we weren't playing that loud. You know, we did about I don't know four or five takes, and you know, And the guys at the record plant were going, "Wow, this is gee, we didn't know what to expect. You guys are really good." You know, so <laughs> so we we impressed those guys. And what happens is at the end, you get you goes, Miss Margaret. Do, 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 do. Like there were certain things you could only do live, but that just sort of be directing them, you know. You couldn't just play it and then overdub and stuff. Luckily, we have recorded it in a really good studio. It sounds great. But you can hear it's a live version on the, the live album we did. The drives, last right. drive-in movie. Yeah, that was totally live too. So. Yeah, that, that, that's the one I, I'm, I've heard where you, oh, right. you see it live and you just nail this note that's like, my God, how can anybody sing that high? It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daddy Cool, they, they break up, shall Yeah, we did. And it was kind of, you know, even though Porter was a great producer, him and his partner in in the uh, States, he had this big wig partner, Steve Binder, who was well-known because he produced the Elvis Comeback thing, you know, where Elvis is. The oh, song, NBC, Glenn, not right and so he was noted for that and a few other things. He's still around doing things, I think. But he and Porter, we didn't like them. They didn't. They didn't really get it. They rubbed us the wrong way. And they were always kind of. They never told us what was going on properly, you know. And we they fucked up a thing which we could have toured without John. I found out later, but they fucked it up somehow, you know. We were kind of annoyed about that. What was happening there? Being in America, I'm thinking, wow, it's great over here. You know, so much music and people. If, if people like you, they love you and, and all that. But I didn't kind of feel like I needed to like keep on writing those kind of retro-y songs. I wanted to get back to being like Party Machine and yeah. and Country Mother and writing more contemporary stuff. So that's why Daddy that Cool kind of disbanded, and I put together another band with Hannah called The Mighty Kong, which was in those in that direction. Unfortunately, the album we made. I'd, a lot of people like them. I didn't really like it that much. I was also kind of battle-worn or scarred from dealing with the American management. And and in hindsight, Daddy's Cool fame because you 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 know everyone's around going you're great you're great. great. It kind of messes with your mind. And so I actually went a bit insane for a while. I think you know it wasn't the full quid. Finally, Mighty Kong kind of fell apart as well, and we had an offer to get Daddy Cool back together again, which we did for about a year or something. You know just around the place, but it wasn't quite the same. You know, it was mainly just to make the money and, and survive and, and try
2: to get my sanity back. <laughs> All right, that is only part one of this wonderful interview that we've God. done with uh, Ross Wilson. Plenty
0: more to come, including the Skyhooks era and the Mondo Rock era. You can barely even scratch the surface with this guy because he's yeah. had so much, such yep. a career. He's amazing. Yeah, and he is he's absolutely a- amazing. And you know he's he's getting old now, but he's still rocking as hell. He's you know terrific. what?
2: He's he's amazingly cool, isn't he? He's just he is yeah. that. If 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 you wanted me to pick a person in Australia who, who you said the word cool, who's the first person who'd pop you into your head? It's him. He Every is time. daddy
0: cool. Yeah, Absolutely.
2: and not because of the band name. He's just a cool person. He's just, like, even with Mondo Rock, he was just, I remember seeing him uh, lots and lots of times um, yeah. uh, in the 80s uh, in Melbourne uh, at places like the Chevron and stuff and, uh, and, and Bombay Rock and that. And uh, he was just, his stage presence is really, really something else. He's got some unique
0: dance moves. Which yes, I felt he has. That, sh- that I felt Shirley Strawn kind of ripped off. That, oh, okay. That's another story. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, well, it's good that we've got somebody cool on the show because what we've got next is someone that's really smoking hot.
2: Oh, well, okay, hang on. I can hear the doorbell ringing now. I want to, it's, our, it's our telephone doorbell. I wonder who's there. <laughs> uh, the life of Brian, it's all fun and games, and then someone gets their eye poked out. No, not in this case. It is all fun and games. It's our Christmas show. Hey, Brian, I've got one of your very good friends on the line to have a chat.
4: Oh, she's a wonder, isn't she? She she's is one an, of my an very absolute
2: beauty. <laughs> we loved having her on the program earlier in the year, and we love having her back for Christmas. Hello, Yvonne Bimbra. How are you?
1: Hello, chats. I'm very, very good. I'm so very excited, actually.
4: Really? Yeah. So, so am I. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Get a
1: room. So, oh, we've been there, done that. She's <laughs> <laughs>
4: I must have forgotten. Damn.
1: <laughs> in the in the platonic sense, Brian. Oh, oh right, right. Okay.
4: Yeah.
6: Oh, the, oh, the platonicity. I remember all that. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fine. No, no problem. Hey,
1: Brian. I'm excited because it's Christmas. Yeah. But I'm also excited because I've just I've just penned you a little song. Oh.
4: Fantastic. I need it's, a new song.
1: It's it's my ode to you.
6: Oh, this will be great.
1: Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> all right. You know, I'm not very good on the guitar, but I'll give it my best shot. Oh, the guitar and everything. Yeah, come on. All right. Oh. It goes like this. It's called cheeky chop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Happy
3: Christmas.
1: Cheeky chop. <laughs> You're the best elf. That we got. <laughs> You put a smile on everyone's side. A happy Christmas to the cheekiest Oh,
2: yes. Yeah, get empty on the phone now. Right now, because
1: Cheeky Chop's going to go straight to number one with the bullet, don't you reckon? Oh,
2: look,
4: I, not only that, I can see butchers all around the country <laughs> using that song as
1: well. Well, I thought it might be. In fact, I, got my, I stopped up my chords, but, you know, I was a bit nervous playing my oh, own to Brian. That's fantastic. Is that electric guitar you've got going there? No, it's my mateen, my special acoustic mateen. Oh, I've got a little
4: acoustic mate.
6: Yeah, they're great, aren't
1: they? Or as um, as they say in America, oh, you're playing a maton,
3: <laughs> A maton.
1: Yeah. Colin Hay always tells this funny story. And I know how you love that I talk about Colin Hay. Oh, Colin Hay's just the funniest bloke in the world, Brian. <laughs> oh, he's so <laughs> funny, Brian. Oh, he's hilarious. <laughs> he is yeah. hilarious. And if yeah. you've yeah. ever seen oh, him live, man. you'd know what I'm talking about. We've
6: talk had him on the show. We've spoken to him. He's quite oh, funny. All yeah, right. all
4: right. I don't know if he's as hilarious as you think, but uh, <laughs> well, anyway, tell us the funny,
1: hilarious golan. No, well story. it won't be now because you've made such a big deal out of it. Oh, he was doing a golan, hey. All right, <laughs> I, I'm not telling the story. I'm telling the it. story. No, I'm playing my on. other tune to you, no, you'll well, know this one. story. Then you can play the other tune. <laughs> tell <laughs> us the story. Oh no, it was just the well the whole thing. The whole it was just like get yeah, it's stupid now. He was doing a gig in America, and yeah. he was just, you know, he was talking about how Americans say things differently and yeah. how this guy comes up to him and says, oh, I see you're playing a maton," And he said, no, 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 it's, it's a mitten," And I know, no, no, I think you'll stand corrected. It's a maton. So that's it. That's the story. I've already... I told you, it's terrible. <laughs> so, so it was you know funny what? at the time when Colin told it, and now you've just spoiled it, Brian. Oh, you
4: know, you, while you're on that topic, though, you know yes. how um, Americans, they pronounce things differently. Have you heard the way they say Bon No. They say Bon Jovi. <laughs>
1: oh, yes, that's not that funny.
6: Well, it's not as hilarious as Colin Hayes. <laughs> no, it's
1: not. <laughs> no. no. Here's my other Christmas tune to you. You'll know the words. You just go, Happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to
3: you.
4: Happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas. Happy <laughs> oh, Happy
3: Christmas.
1: Oh dear. There you go. That was my other Christmas song. Very good, Eve. Very
2: good. My villain Christmas
1: song. I've I've still got a violin and a piano and a cello and a whole lot of other instruments to get through. (laughs) How (laughs) do you go
2: with an organ? (laughs) Brian.
1: Oh, I'm not even going to answer that.
2: Good work. Hey, Eve, what's uh, what's Christmas uh, look like? Is it going to be full family and stuff?
1: Yes, it's so exciting. This year. Yes. My sister has got a farm, and we all are going to put up some tents Oy. and go glamping. Glamping, glamping. yes. So we've got, scary. and she's got a pine tree in the at the farm. So we're going to decorate the pine tree in the paddock and hey. make that like the hay. So we're going to be chopping it down, very environmental. And um, we're going to play games. I've got pin the tail on Rudy. So I have cut out <laughs> right. a reindeer. Right. And, um, cause I've got all my nephews, of course, they want to play that. Yeah. Um, and all of my Christmas decorations, of course, that I've made, I've spent months making them while in lockdown. So that's right. been a, a plus. And then, of course, we have the pudding, which is full of trinkets. Like, we've still got real silver coins that oh dear. now we convert. The tradition is you convert them into current currency. <laughs> Apparently, they're worth about five bucks. Now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you get a penny or a, you know, a real silver coin in your, in your slice of pudding, you have to, the kids are lining up going, five bucks, please. <laughs> um, but we've got the money bag, the bat- the bachelor button, the wedding couple, the ass, and the horseshoe. Very
4: What's nice. the bachelor buddy?
1: Well, the bachelor, bachelor button. button. Yes. Yeah. So if you get that, that means you're going to be single for the year. That's not fun. Oh. No okay. one wants that. You get yeah. the money bag, you're going to come into money. You get the okay. wedding couple, obviously you're going to get married. You get the ass, obviously you're a fool. And you get the horseshoe, right. nothing but good luck.
3: There you go. Wow. There you so, go. you know,
1: so much to look forward to. have got crackers. Yeah. Oh, there's crackers. Oh, we're going to have... What?
4: Yep. What? The ones that explode or the, the hat ones with the hat and the bad joke in them?
1: Oh, no. I write... Oh, that's the other thing. I write all the jokes. So we've got a little basket we pass around. Yeah. Because, you know, stuff those jokes and those crackers. Yeah, they're um, terrible. Yeah, they're terrible. I thought you might have some for me. I could put in the cracker pot this well,
4: year. Well, I did that too with the cracker jacks and i write really disgusting jokes. Oh, I don't and, want any
1: of them. And, and then
4: I'd shit them to my nephews and stuff, and here's my auntie, the nun, sitting there at the table with us, and then watch my, my nephew sort of reading yes. this absolute disgusting <laughs> joke and watching his face going, oh, no. And he's
1: halfway through and he can't stop.
4: Yeah. Well, Keep going.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's all good. So, <laughs> and, what, and what will you be eating, Steve? Oh, well, this is a point of contention, Brian. Oh, okay. So every year I go, oh, look, can we just stray a bit from tradition and just do fish or just something not turkey or ham? Okay. And we all go, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. The closer we get to Christmas, everyone's getting a bit antsy and a bit edgy and a bit, oh, well, maybe we'll just have ham. We can just have the ham
3: and fish. (laughs) So
1: basically we've ended up, we're having ham and turkey, no fish. That's it. It's the okay. same as it's always been for every bloody year since I was born.
3: Ah,
4: oh, I love it, though. I reckon
6: that's Yeah, a, no,
1: I know. Well, turkey. that's a part of the Christmas thing, isn't it? You've got to have tradition. It's important, I think.
4: It's nice to have a few prawns as well, though. That could to be yep. good.
1: Yep. Uh, prawns yeah. on the bar. Do you barbecue them? Uh, um, no, I just have them fresh. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, okay. I know, what a else bit do of you have? Because I'm under um, the impression that you don't really eat much, Brian. On Christmas Day, I kind of do a little bit. Oh, lashing uh, out. What else do you have?
4: I have pork, and I have
1: uh, turkey, and I have ham. And... Pork is ham. Oh, ha-ha. can't ha, okay, get it. Oh, I've <laughs> got pork and ham. I've got all,
4: all parts of the pig. It's just all over the place in my job. Right. Okay.
1: okay.
2: Yeah, what are you, Kev? What are you at? Yeah, we're prawns. We do the seafood thing, the prawns and a bit of ham. No. I've gone off the turkey. I find turkey too finicky to cook and and uh, yeah, oh, and I'm not oh, that big so a fan right. of it. No. And what do they yeah. do?
1: They just gobble, gobble,
2: gobble. Yeah, I'd rather have a chook. Yeah,
1: I'm with
2: yeah. you, Kev. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. Do
1: you put stuffing in? If, I mean, on the occasion that you do have it, do you no, put I, stuffing in it? No,
2: I'm not a stuffing person. Right, no, okay. I don't, I don't like what, it. What, what
1: I... would vegetarians eat at
2: Christmas? Each other?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just suddenly thought of that Imagine if you had guests over and I'm like Oh I'm vegan and I'm vegetarian I'm like oh that's just a whole lot of hard work isn't it just Yes like, too it. much hard work yeah. Hey
2: Eve thank you so much for being with us Have a Merry Christmas and a, and a, a Good New Year and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you in 2021
1: Oh I look forward to that And thank have you a great it. Christmas yourselves
4: Thank you for the songs Eve And thank you for your time Love you darling <laughs>
0: is of me.
2: Thanks, chat. Ah, the lovely Yvonne Bibra. What what oh. a wonderful woman she is!
0: Isn't she entertaining? She's, she's so highly. much fun. She just seems to really, really enjoy every moment of life.
2: And she set a fairly
0: uh, high benchmark now with everyone, so, You know, she's done a song. She's it's, done a song. She's <laughs> she's, a, she's a ripper songwriter. She. Um, she wrote all the songs, you know, "Wanna Be Up" and the hits, yep. the original hits for Shantuzzi. She wrote, you know, Kenny wouldn't have been the same without her. So um, great to have her be. on the show again. God oh, old, hang boy. on, there goes,
2: there goes, there goes the uh, Christmas uh, door chimes again. Hang on, hang on here. Let's oh, see who this eyes. is. Who's there now, Brian? We're very lucky on the life of Brian that we've had a terrific uh, a bunch of people uh, behind us uh, as sponsors of this program, uh, and that is of course Mercot's Driving Excellence, who we talk about a hell of a lot. Mark Lones, the CEO, is on the line now. G'day, Mark. Woo-hoo. G'day Kevin. G'day
4: Brian. G'day Mark. How's it going, mate? Very well, thanks, mate. Are you giving up for Christmas, Mark? Have you got your tree and your presents and your food <laughs> all organised or done nothing? <laughs> no, too buddy busy, Brian. At the moment, <laughs> we're flat out. With you know, driving's been the last thing that's been on people's mind this year because of the you know necessary restrictions. Now we're uh, we're back up and running and really back with a vengeance, which is good timing because if you've noticed. How rusty people are out in the roads at the moment. (laughs) I'm glad that we're up
2: and running. Oh, are they ever driving like. Dickheads would be the uh, expression I've been <laughs> yep. uh, searching for. <laughs> yeah, National Moron Day every day at the moment.
4: <laughs> 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 what are they trying to prove? <laughs> what are they
3: trying to prove?
2: Goodness me. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, Mark, it's, been, it's obviously been a challenging year, but as you mentioned, uh, we've kind of pushed all that to the, to the back room now and we're sort of yep. surging forward, which is good. Yep. Glass half full
4: again, man. Yeah, absolutely. So already got got the mixtape ready to go for the um, driving
2: over the Christmas period. Oh right, so what's what's on the mixtape? Obviously, a bit of Uncanny X Men, a bit of. Uh,
4: uh, uh, no. Well, how could you possibly go past the line? How do you drive a fast car? Do you drive in a fast car? Of course. How get your Exactly. <laughs> took you me know, a that second. That took me a second to be <laughs> <laughs> That was. That was obviously your Bob Dylan moment, Ryan. Oh, absolutely it was. Uh, well, Greg McCainish's Bob Dylan moment. He um, <laughs> he wrote it. So yeah, anyway, yeah. So what song is, what are what song is we listening to as we drive? Well, I don't think you can go past the Beatles. You've got to put Drive My Car On. Yeah. Oh, haven't oh, song. song.
6: Yeah, yeah. like yeah, That's a beauty. It's got a little horn in
4: there for you. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you've got to you got to throw in a couple of uh, Aussie classics, Ted Mulry, yeah. band, <laughs> Jump in my car. Of course. <laughs> that's got to be on the list. Yeah, um, absolutely. The oils, Midnight Oil, King of the yeah. Mountain. Oh, there we go. Rocky. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> and I, th- I think probably the one that would beat the whole lot of them, including How Do You Get Your Kicks, would be 2-2 two, two, Chugga Chugga Big Red Car. The <laughs> oh, yeah. Wiggles. Excellent. What two, a classic. 2-2 Chugga Big Red Car. What? Wow. <laughs> It's something for
2: everybody there, really, isn't there? <laughs> I was going to say, you, you've catered for every. You've got the kids right through to the, uh, you know, the ancients going on there.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, give them a bit of wiggles and then maybe download some Brian's old Countdown DVDs. That'll keep them occupied for a few hours. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. You don't have a smash repair business as well as a driving school, do you, Mark? <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. Uh, look, uh, we we do really appreciate your support uh, for the program. It's been fantastic to have you on board, and uh, we hope people have uh, have jumped on uh, uh, to one three hundred triple five five seven six and uh, and got in touch or jumped onto the website murcotts. And uh, and there is a special offer until uh, till virtually right through until Christmas Day, isn't
4: it? Yeah, absolutely. So they can jump on our website. There's a couple of special offers there. So. um Jump, jump on, and uh, see what's uh, what's going to tickle your fancy. But uh, otherwise, it's been a pleasure to um, to uh, be on board with you guys this year. Congratulations on a, a hugely successful podcast, and wish you guys and uh, all the listeners the very best for Christmas and uh, New Year.
2: Same, so, to you, Mark. same to you, Mark. Sa- safe driving, mate, uh, yeah. and uh, take care over the holidays. And let's hope you and the family have a great time.
4: Good on you, fellas. Cheers, Mark. Merry Christmas. Same to you.
2: Uh, terrific to have Mercots driving excellence as our sponsors here on uh, the Life of Brian podcast. Don't forget, it's mercots.edu.au 1300 555 576. Thanks to Mark and the team for uh, for looking after us in, in 2020, and they'll look after you and make sure you're around in 2021 if you get one of those terrific gift vouchers that are available now.
0: All right, Brian. It's a, gr- it's a great – hang on, Kev. It's a mm-hmm. great present if you know somebody that is a really shit driver and you oh. get in the car with them and you're scared. <laughs> which I'm scared when I get him in the car with everybody, just buy them the voucher, get them over to Mercot's so that they stop scaring the crap out of you with their <laughs> shit driving.
2: If I win Tats Lotto, I'm going to buy yeah. 10 grand's worth of Mercot's vouchers, have them in my car, and whenever someone does something, I'm going to pull just them over and give them one. Hand
0: them out. Yep. Rather than give them the bird and swearing yep. at them, just yep. hand them a Mercot's It'll voucher. It'll be one those, pull over, go. you, you,
2: pull over, pull over, yeah. we need yeah. to talk, jump out, and then give them a Mercot's voucher.
0: Absolutely It's the opposite of road rage It's yes, road exactly. consideration It's <laughs> yeah. very nice
2: Yeah Now terms and conditions <laughs> apply there That's only going to happen If I win millions in Tats Lotto Alright
0: Right Let's get back well, to You've probably got a better chance Of catching No actually you probably got a better chance Of Winning a lot lighter than catching COVID, but uh, let's see what happens.
2: All right. Let's get back to part two of our uh, interview with the, with the great Ross Wilson, uh, and we're heading into uh, our favourite uh, part of his career for you and I, and that's the Skyhooks days. Oh,
0: we are not worthy, Kev. We are not worthy. How did the Skyhooks thing come along, Ross? Oh, well, yeah, so that overlapped.
6: Uh, with Mighty Kong I knew Mighty Kong Wasn't You know We were going to break up But we, one of the last things We did was We played a, um, a gig At Melbourne Uni And at that gig Was a band Skyhook Supporting it They were taking The piss out of stuff. They Had everything That I liked You know Humour The satire uh, Stupid costumes You know Everything <laughs> That's kind of like What Daddy Cool Had done as well And these songs That they'd written And I'm going Who wrote those songs And they go Oh that guy over there uh, Greg McCange They play it So I said to to him, you know, why don't you come around and I want to start a publishing company, music publishing company, because and this is the reason why. See, the music publishing in those days was very, very one-dimensional. You signed a deal, 50% went to the publisher for life and 50% went to the writer. And that's all the publishing companies were like that. So I'd already started Cool Music. For the songs I'd written with uh, Daddy Cool, but that was in partnership with Robbie Porter, and I was trying to get away from those guys. So I started a new one called Duda, and Greg was my first signing, and I good signing, and, yeah. So I said, <laughs> you know, this this fifty-fifty stuff. suck. I'll give you seventy percent." He goes, "Okay." Yeah. And so he said, "And I'll give you three hundred bucks as an advance." And three hundred bucks—that's a reasonable amount of money in right. nineteen seventy-two or whatever it was. Seventy-three.
4: Well, I, well, I got two hundred bucks advanced yes. from my publishing in
6: 1982, so that was $300 <laughs> was good. <laughs> so so we got $300 when I bought a, a new bass amp. It was a good you know, good thing to do. And meanwhile, the, the band started evolving. And the two guitarists who had been in it, uh, Peter Inglis and Peter Starkey, Bongo's brother, yes. so that they had left to go and do other things. So Bob Starkey got the gig, he, Bongo got the gig, and somehow Red Simon turned up from somewhere too i'm not sure he'd had another band somewhere and he he got the offer to join them so suddenly they're sounding really good and songs are sounding good and we're going in and demoing them you know doing good demos they had a singer called steve hill who wasn't he was like a bit of a rough head he had a fantastic persona you know like up front you know take the piss out of everything he had a lot to do with evolving that kind of attitude within the band you know they played one of the early Sunbury's and I went like, and he saw himself and he says, listen, this isn't for me. I'm not, I don't want to be a pop star. He was, he was a real bolshie. He was like lefty and that, and up after workers and communism and all of that stuff. So, so he's gone, this is bullshit. You know, I don't want to do this shit anymore. I mean, it's fun for a while, but I've had enough. So he, he bails out. So they're going, oh, I need a new singer. And Greg goes, oh, I used to have this guy singing in an early band of mine, Graham Strawn." So they go and find him yeah. and he's working on a crayfish boat or something <laughs> and he comes to town, so I go to see him at their first gig. I think it was the Village Green. I pull up at the lights near the near the pub, and this guy thinks he's out of the car next to him. He goes, "Hey, Wilson!" Blah 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 blah. There's a whole lot of cheeky stuff to me. That's surely strong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I go, I go and watch him, and I go, "Holy shit!" Now they are a real band, you know. So they started getting people wanting to produce them. They make records like me. They Decided they go with an indie. They went with mushroom, and Kudzinski was really pissed off because I had, had the publishing. He <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: And I said to the band, "Listen, I've done all these demos with you. You know how I work. Let me produce you." And they go, "Yeah, that's a good idea. We feel comfortable with you, and you have these demos are sounding good. So, and you help us with the arrangements and all of that stuff. You know that producers do. But I, I don't ever produce one single like a." a, a latter-day Daddy Cool single. what's well, quite good. Well, God bless them. They said, uh, we want Wilson to produce it. And Kudinsky, who was a fan, he said, yeah, good idea. You know, let's do that. And Mushroom were, um, they had all the structure. They had a great deal going with festival. They had great art departments. They had great publicity people. They were designing good album covers, putting out really quality products, but not having very many hits. Uh. So they were on the edge financially, you know. We only took about two weeks to make the album. Really? Oh, Seven good, good. Yeah, yeah. But they're going, oh, can you hurry up and finish, you know? And <laughs> so the, the whole album cost 13 grand, right? Wow. Good,
3: good. 13 grand. We worked really
6: fast. We had, you know, pre production. We'd done demos and all of that. And a lot of the demos were very similar to what ended up on the album. But I added things like synthesizers and you know, vibes. vibes and, yeah, vibes, marimbas, percussions. Helped them with their harmonies, made suggestions to Shirley. You know, it's sounding a bit boring. How about you bend the note here and all that kind of junk? And God bless them, they went along with everything I suggested, just about everything. Anyway, at the end of two weeks, we had this incredible record. You know, well, it's a great record, and it yeah. sounded like nothing I'd ever heard before. It still does. Um, There's no other band that sounds like Skyhawk. Well, oh, yeah.
4: No. Can I ask you? Because I don't when I listen to it, it sounds like none of the guitarists ever play a chord. It's just all riffs and it's riff. riff really cleverly worked out to
6: complement each other. Yeah. That was the genius of um of Greg McCain. He was like a riff king and even he didn't even play bass like a bass player most bass players did. He would play ace riffs, you know. Yeah. And then come up with his other riffs and then the two guys had this telepathy where they'd do, you know, harmony guitars together and all that kind of stuff. Really unique. And I was very inspired. You know, I'd live with those songs for over a year or something, helped well they been evolving and demoing them and all of that. So I knew them back to front because one of the reasons I put my hand up as producer because I didn't want them to get fucked up. Yeah. I knew that if somebody, other mainstream producer, they'd be trying to censor them and everything. I only changed one line in a song and it was the first single we put out, uh, which was the title track, Living in the 70s. And I didn't want it to get banned, right? Right. We had a line, I feel like a call girl that's never been had. And I said, oh, you know, you've got all these other songs, but this is the very first single that's going to get us into trouble. So we changed it to I Feel Like a Good Time That's Never Been Had. Oh, uh, wow. Well, good I... work. Yeah, so that's the only change. And then, of course, six out of the 11 songs got banned <laughs> for radio play. <laughs> Pretty outrageous for the time. There's songs about guys buying dope at the South Yarra Arms. There's a song called Motorcycle Bitch. You know, the songs that... Um, you just like me because I'm good in bed. Later covered by uh, John Mellencamp, by the way, Johnny Coogan. right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, there's Smut, Red, Red Song. Red Song, yeah. He oh, yeah, was masturbating in a the picture theatre. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, they they managed to get away with it. You know, it was incredible. They couldn't play that on the radio, but kids had that album. My wife, oh. Anya, who was 10 at the time, was a big sky. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. So uh, kids had all, all had that up. And so, you know, when the sun goes down in Carlton, all the junkies and the flunkies and, you know, yeah. we had all this stuff that was, was like, absolutely correct. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to sort of lose that flavour. So aside for that one line, I didn't change anything. Wow. And so the riffs, the riffs were already kind of there before you got your hands on it? The guitar stuff and all that. You know, I, one thing I was really, really... Uh, insisted on was that they play in tune, so we'd we'd always be getting them to tune up and stuff, you know. And tuners hardly existed then, you know. You used to yeah. tune up to a harmonica or something. If you listen to the album, there's nothing out of tune. Quite complex music, but everything is in tune, and everything sounds terrific, you know. I was really happy. Then we did the second album, which in a lot of ways is even better. So like I was, you know, on a roll by then. But making me. Living in the seventies album is one of the greatest experiences of my life, you know, because I was just in the zone and they were as well. And musically, I got to do stuff and be part of something really, really good. Yeah, the second album was great too. Um, we were doing yeah. songs the other day on one of our other podcasts,
4: and um, both Kevin and I put in um, "Love's Not Good Enough."
6: Oh yeah, uh, "Love's Not Good Enough" is fucking awesome. Yeah, oh, you it's know, great. It's the longest track that goes seven and a half minutes or something, but you're not boring at all. And it's got that bit where it just suddenly rocks out in the middle of it. You know what we did there? No. We we were doing that and we were rehearsing that one. There's actually a documentary you can see on YouTube about the recording of that song, but they leave this bit out. What happened was they were playing the song and we get to that bit where it starts going ah, and, 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 and It all changes tempo and stuff and they kept not getting it, you know, it was kinda of falling over at that point. So me and John French we'd become really good at sort of dropping in one line of vocal here and being really good at dropping stuff in. We said, we're going to play the track that we've got already up to that point and we're going to drop the whole band in, start playing at that point. So we we were going to be wiping out all the rest of the song, right? <laughs> like, we'll get to that point and then we're going to drop you all in, start playing along and we'll just play. We'll hit play and, you, and so we dropped the whole band in live at that point and, it, and it's seamless. It was like the artiest thing I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> well, it works really, really well.
2: Yeah, yeah it's a great so, song. Okay,
6: you've done the Skyhooks thing. You've got pretty much been in charge of the three biggest albums in Australian history so far. Yeah. yeah. What's next? Well, then I wanted to start playing again. Well, no, what happened was I started a label with Glenn Wheatley and he, he wanted to start a label. I bumped into him at a Susie Quattro concert at um. Festival Hall. He said, hey, Ross, we should talk. And so we got together and we started this label called Oz, a Z. One of the reasons we called it that was because of Australia, but also I'd taken a gig to produce a soundtrack album for a feature film by Chris LaPayne, the guy who did the, the Cool um, film clip. Yeah. And he's making this low-budget film called Oz, a rock and roll road movie, which is the story of The Wizard of Oz, but set in Australia and Dorothy's a groupie right <laughs> and the wizard is rock star so and then all the other people are like the, the cowardly lion is a cowardly biker you know and had all this great, really cool stuff in it so I wrote all these songs for that and one of the songs I'd already had this song already Living in the Land of Oz great song I said hey Chris I've already got a song with word Oz in it that can be the title of your movie title the song so he goes yeah great we put out an album uh, a soundtrack the soundtrack album from that movie this is just you solo yeah. Yeah, and that was my first solo single, Living in the yeah. Land of Oz, you know. Great song, really great song. Yeah, yeah, and it's all about, you know, dispossession of the Aboriginals and one of the first songs about that and it says how they all got killed, and, you know, whites are rich and blacks are dead and all of that. Yeah. So I go on TV on Channel 9, I had the short-lived pop show and so some guy was kind of put all stuff of Aboriginals in the background, you know, living in poverty and all that stuff and the producer of it goes, you can't use that, you know. I go, why not? Oh, you know, people will be really offended. I said, "Well, that's what the song's about. What are you talking about?" You know. And he goes, "No, we're not going to use the background footage. We're still going to do the song." I said, "Well, okay, whatever. You know, I still want to see my song on TV." So, sort of a minor hit. The movie did medium well, but wasn't gigantic. But it got me going as a, you know, as a, as a record label, and and I started producing people like Joe, Joseph and the Falcons. And then I got sick of that after a while and and wanted to get back to um, playing live. And one of the first things I did was to promote that single was I, I formed a group called Ross Wilson's Mondo Rock and we played Sleeping in the Land of Oz. And we also played another song at the very first, concert that we played, which was at the Astor Theatre in St. Kilda, and we also played a, another song I'd written for that band called A Touch of Paradise. Oh, God. <laughs> at our very ah, first gig. Yeah. That song, that'll never take off, Ross, that one. <laughs> nah, nobody will go for that. Well, we yeah, I always yeah. knew it was a good song, but we kind of play it live and people would go, that's a good song, but it was, it was a lot longer at the time. It had an extra verse and it kind of over-dramatised it and everything. We finally got it on record. I remember my friend Kim Fowley, who I'd met in America. Who's the guy that started The Runaway, the legendary character from Hollywood. Yeah. He came out to Australia, and I took him around to see a few bands and stuff. We wrote a song together that's on the very first Mondo Rock album, Primal Park. The song's called Down oh. to Earth. He listened to my demos, and he said, because he, he had a lot of million sellers along the way. I played him Touch a Paradise demo, and he went, that's a hit. I went, oh, okay. Thanks, kid. And so... And uh, it was, that. <laughs> it was. It's not a hit for me, you know, it was a hit for fun. that version of Mondo Rock. That was a great band with Peter Lappy and Randy Bolton. They've had that Bullpen, was, was the first uh, permanent Mondo Rock that lasted about two years or something. He put out an album, and then it's a uh, great album. It's a great album. I really like it. It's half live and half studio. And the live right. tracks are pretty wild, you know, like you can hear. We had trouble recording in the studio. Like, they couldn't kind of get what I wanted, you know. As a last resort, I said, we're going to record a a night live at Bombay Rock because I I knew they could all play, when they're in their natural element playing live, they'd be really good. I reckon that band is grossly underestimated or undervalued. I thought that was a fantastic band. Yeah, um, a lot of people were annoyed at me when I broke that band up. (laughs) Yeah, I think my brother my brother was a bit annoyed at you for that because he loved that band. He used to go to see, uh, see every Tuesday night at the Prospect Hill or something. That's right. He played every, yeah. every Tuesday for a year or something. It was incredible. Yeah, my brother went every night and he just loved that band. I found out that one of the reasons we were having trouble recording was because we all went up to Sydney to record at EMI because we were on, e- on EMI. Uh was because the bloody roadie was giving him heroin. and <laughs> oh, you so, so it's like, okay. You Guys, know what I
4: think about that. You're out, <laughs> and that yeah. was that. Yeah, I um was doing some show, and
6: Eric McCusker was there anyway. My brother's a huge, huge fan of Mondo rock and you know, pretty yeah. much everything you've done. And I think, oh, look, he'll get a real kick
4: out of meeting Eric McCusker. So I introduced Eric McCusker to my brother, and that's all good. And I'm thinking, my brother's going to be rapt about this. And he walks away <laughs> and he goes, and he goes. That guy ruined Mondo Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's
6: funny because the next album, with Chemistry, you know, which is a monster album, had all hits on it and stuff, was a different sound completely. Yeah, it was. To the first one. And there's still a lot of people, you know, like Brian Wise and that, go, oh, the first album is the best one. But, you know, I think yeah. the chemistry album's pretty damn good. Because, oh, it's a great right. album. So... Mondo Rock, we're into the 80s. Now, Mondo Rock's going berserk. is still, you know, top of the chart, state of the heart and all of that. What's next? What's next now? Oh, well, up then. To the 80s. You know, Mondo Rock's the longest project I ever did. It went from, like, sporadically 1976 and then we, 77, and we pretty much had a full band, 78, 79. 80 was the next Mondo Rock. Started putting out singles. Chemistry came out in eighty one. So our final album was in nineteen ninety. So that's that's a long time. That's only fifteen years. Yeah. Wow. I started getting invitations to from people to write with them. You know, and, and also very luckily I was making some money from music publishing because John Farnham's actually Little Heart and Touch of Paradise and then he did We No Angels and then he did um and then we wrote a song together called Seems like a good idea at the time. They're all hits, you know. So I was—I didn't actually need to have a band, right? But so I was making a bit of money, and I I'd also I was living by myself. I split up with with my wife Pat, so I was having a few sort of bachelor years and and all of that. So I started writing with people, and I started—I wrote songs with Barnsey. You know, it's good to write with people who actually sell records. <laughs> 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 so I had Barnum going, I had Barnsey going, and I was—I was doing okay. And I had a, a band called Raw R A W because they're they're my initials, Ross Andrew Wilson. <laughs> uh, and, and it was a sort of power punk band. Did you ever see it? No, I didn't see Raw. One of the best bands I've ever 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 had. And I'm thinking of putting out a EP. Of, we it, we cut a few tracks before we broke up because uh, it was never meant to be a super permanent I band, but a really good band. And as you know, Max War on drums. Yeah, I think Max told me that he said. Man, you got to hear this. It's really rocking. It's really cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah, wraps. I've got some good stuff in the can. There's one track I put out which you can hear on Spotify, a version of Wild One, which is written by Johnny O'Keefe, by the way.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah.
6: And it's a really heavy track and, you know, my arrangement and everything, and that's an indication of what raw sounds like. And so that was that was great. Basically, i had a bachelor of life for a while until I met my current wife, Tanya, and we started having kids, and I thought, Ah, I better get back on the road. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I've
2: been doing ever since. Now, seriously, we, we didn't get, there's still so much stuff I'd like to talk to Ross Wilson about, hopefully at another time on this podcast in the future.
0: That would be great.
2: Because he uh, he's, he's still going. Uh, it'd be good to see him out and about live and he's in fine form. Not
0: short of a hit single either, is he?
2: <laughs> you know, he just keeps writing them for people, and people keep oh, he's redoing. Probably leave out,
0: he's probably the only bloke I know that has to leave out five or ten hit singles because <laughs> he's got too many. Yeah,
2: it's a worry, isn't it? Terrible. God, I love him. Now, hang on. Now, now we're going to do something different. Now we've had the the, uh, the door chimes have been ringing, but this time I'm going to ring someone who was on uh, the very first episode of this podcast, just oh. to see how he's going. Because uh, he's a great friend of yours and a great friend of mine, and we've known him for a long time. He's a really good scout, so we'll just give him a buzz and uh, we'll see what he's up to. Get
0: your Willie out, Kev.
5: What now? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've, I've got that annoying Brian Mannix who wants to talk to you all the time, Willie. <laughs> hey Willie.
5: Hey Mano.
2: Hi Kev. Wilbur Wild joins us on our <laughs> Christmas Life of Brian edition. G'day,
5: Willie. How, how are you really? going, you guys? Mano, sorry I talked over you there. Ken, Nora. terrific, and I congratulations on the success of the podcast or whatever
2: you call it. Yes, yeah. Well, you started it with this. you were an Ep1. You uh, you set the benchmark for everyone else to follow.
5: No, oh, great. Yeah, that's that's, that's lofty heights <laughs> in, uh, indeed.
2: <laughs> oh no, very high benchmark.
5: Hey, how about how about our hometown of Melbourne and our home state of Victoria just. Smashing life at the moment. The vibe on the screen is just terrific. Mind you, I'm still, you know, I'm still not sort of like fully back. I mean, we, you know, Mano and I want to play some gigs, Kev. Uh, yeah. there's uh, anybody listening who wants, um, you know, a great trio, Mano's absolute eighties with Scotty Khan You know, we, we're itching to get back into live performance. We are.
2: Well, you sort of dipped your toe in the water on the weekend, Brian. You had your first gig back yeah. in what eight or nine months. Yeah,
5: I was absolutely shitting
2: myself.
3: Yeah.
4: But, and where uh, were you? Well, tell me I about it. that. Me and Tim Henwood, and we just, as I said long ago, my first gig back will be um, with an acoustic guitar, and that's pretty much how it panned out, but um, it was really good, actually. Um, we had about 70 outside and 20 inside, which is all we are allowed to have, but
5: yeah. it was a good <laughs>
4: little intimate vibe, and
6: um, everybody had a good time. And yeah, it was good to get one out of the way, you know, so it's like, oh, right, I can do it
5: again. Oh, of course you can. Like you, what are you talking about, it's like falling off a bike, and Tim Henwood is such a fine musician too. Oh, he's great. He's terrific. And a great singer as well. So, yeah, well, you know, look, I'm i champing at the bit, so to speak. I've got um, a talk to do at a lifestyle sort of retirement village uh, thing, and then um, I think uh, January the 18th, we're up at um, uh, SSNA, uh, where Brian's worked before, up in Albury. Oh, yeah. And Frankie, Jay, and I will probably be playing at the Painesville Music Festival. That's not until February. Right. And so, that, you know, so hopefully the diary keeps up, uh, uh, filling up, I should say, um, because, yeah. Mano, we're lifers. This is what we do. It's too late to do anything else. Hey, I'm um, talking about that. When I was uh, on Gold 104 back in the day, probably 2004, I had an interview um, with uh, The Sweet, right? Uh, yeah. With uh, Andy Scott and the drummer, you know. And anyway, we got along really well. Um, Jump forward to about uh, two months, three months ago. My girlfriend from here on in, known as Cherry, I right. uh, wanted to do some shopping at a, uh, a supermarket in Baldwin. So we go in there and I said, she said, oh, I'll just go and get some cat food. And I said, I'll wait out here and get a coffee. No, she said, no, you've got to come with me. It's a surprise. So I go, no, okay, right." You know. So in we go, we get the cat food, we're checking out, but we go to a particular checkout where we meet Michelle, right? Ooh. Now, Michelle was a big fan of Hey Hey and she wanted to meet me. And I said, well, that's very sweet of you, darling, and, you know. Thanks very much. We pay for the cat food. And she said, just before you go, I've got a present for you, Wilbur. She reaches under, gives me a CD, The sweet, Heavy Down Under. Five tracks recorded live at the Yarraville Club, four tracks recorded live at the Doncaster Shopping Town Hotel. I'll read down the track list. There they are. Ballroom Blitz, Fox on the Run, Peppermint Twist featuring Wilbur Wilde. Oh. Oh, right. So after the interview at Gold, 15 years before... Um, we're just talking, and that you know. And Andy Scott said, "Oh, what? you know." I said, "Where are you working tonight?" And he said, "We're at the Doncaster. we at the Donny Inn." And I said, "Oh, that's lurching distance for me. I might come over." He said, <laughs> bring your horn." <laughs> so, you know, fifteen years down the track, I'm on a sweet CD. Now, I did not have that on my 2020 bingo card. <laughs> oh, oh, that,
2: oh, wow! That is, that, that, do, you yeah, the, it,
5: do you remember the Do you remember the gig? I was like, oh, you're very well. I mean, it was great. They, you know, look, great guys to interview, Kev. Yeah, I remember. Um, you know, just uh, really forthcoming. And you know what? I still had his number. So uh, last week I called him. You know, I waited till early in the morning when it was sort of, you know, like 9.30 p.m. Uh, London time. And he's picked up the phone. He's, he's answered the phone. He's gone, hello, Wilbur. <laughs> <laughs> he, he still, he said, I've still got your number in my phone. I said, I'm very chuffed, mate. And I said, you know, I told him the story about Michelle, the CD, Peppermint Twist, and uh, he, he, he said, well, you know, and we we're pissing ourselves laughing. And then I said, well, just what I needed during lockdown, and I hope you're doing well yourself, you know, just well wishes and have a yeah. good Christmas. And also the guitar player, a guy named Steve Priest, died about yeah. uh, two months ago Yeah original guitar player, but Andy um, sort of brought me up to speed with that. Steve had, uh, you know, led a particular lifestyle and mostly in Los Angeles, so they, you know, they, they weren't enemies, but, you know, we, we had a lovely chat and then I told him, I said, now Michelle asked me whether I'm going to get paid. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I said, my, my salary for this is a pint of lager and a packet of crisps in a London pub. Your shout, Andy Scott. Yeah. So we've got a deal there and um, yeah, maybe one of these Christmases I can go over and we do Fox on the Run, Ballroom Blitz, or take a sax solo on Peppermint Twist and we uh, just raise a glass to uh, uh, live performance and rock and roll. Yeah. 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 How does the CD sound? Does it sound good? I haven't listened to it. I can't bring myself to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's like, man. You know what it's like once you once you've done the recording session. mate, just walk away.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> now, look. Now, to be honest, I I, uh, I I did have a listen to it a little bit. You know, the start of the solo, and I thought, okay, that's enough. It's one rung above dropped pie. So, uh... <laughs> hey, Willie, what's uh, what's Christmas twenty twenty uh, usual or? Different or what are you doing? Well, look, you know, I'm am a bit of a homebody, you know, because um I go around to see my three boys from. Uh, okay, just to bring everybody up to speed, I've got five from three, two of whom I chose I chose wisely not to marry. Right, right? <laughs> right. So on Christmas morning, I go around to see Howard, who's now twenty. You may remember he was the one born on the back seat of the L T D on the way to the Mercy on the Eastern Freeway. <laughs> right. So he's twenty. He's um he's made it. But um Whenever he leaves the house he goes out through a window. Uh, <laughs> then, you know <laughs> no, just, that's, that's a Caesarean gag, isn't it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, Moving on. <laughs> and then we've got we've got the we've got the twins, Toby and Elliot. Toby's right. my favourite, but I keep Elliot for parts.
3: <laughs> so <then> they <laughs> right.
5: So um, They're seventeen now. And, um, and so I spend the morning with them. And then uh the rest of her family arrived so uh best uh, best uh, things generally work best if I just stop helping. <laughs> and then I'm off to uh my daughter's mother's place. My daughter's mum, Valda, is a really good cook and she's invited Cherry and I uh for Christmas lunch. So they'll have like oh, you know, like the prawns that, you know, that sort of taste great in tempera and, you know, like those sort of really yeah, – yeah, yeah. And then my sister and her husband – now, her, my sister, my brother-in-law was in my year at school, so it's all Ivanhoe. It's all planted Ivanhoe stuff, yeah. you know, very incestuous. Then got a place down at Blair Gary, so Cherry and i lurch down to the beach, um, have a glass of Christmas cheer and then um, return home later that night tired but happy.
3: Wow. Very
5: good. So it's like it's all mapped out. And, well, so, you know, I mean, what can possibly go wrong, but, you know. <laughs> and what sort of cuisine will you be eating at um, Velma's place? Is it Velma? Well, yeah, Velma. Yeah, oh, well, the, the, the prawns, the, probably tempera prawns, and they do great oysters. with. Um, and her husband is actually a very good sh- uh, chef as well. He'll have – last year we had oysters, natural oysters, beautifully, fresh, freshly shucked. Oh. Uh, you may want to edit that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we had a, a red wine vinaigrette with them with sh- uh, chopped shallots. So that's oh. how I like my oysters. Yes. And they'll have um, a bit of tasty uh, – there'll be a bit of tasty fish. There'll be a bit of tasty beef. There'll be a bit of tasty – you know. So just yeah. um, generally Christmas Day I graze. You know, yeah, right. Yep. You know, and then uh, Boxing Day, which has been a tradition for me with my old cricket buddies, uh, to go off to uh, the Test. Uh, we're not going to bother going in the ballot this year because um, uh, twenty five thousand are allowed in, and the the MCC members, of which I'm not one, but all my cricket buddies are. Um, they um, oh. we've just decided to go to the All Nations, where we usually have brekkie and then stumble across to the ground, but we're going to go to the All Nations for lunch. So we're. Ah. Yeah, yeah, and they've got the outdoor yard. Yeah, so you know, by the time we get to the twenty seventh and twenty eighth, I'm just, uh, you know, ready to lie in uh, uh, just lie in state in my <laughs> reclining
2: chair. <laughs> 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 Sounds perfect. Hey, Willie, thanks for being part of our show, mate. we really, uh, really appreciate it. We loved having you on that first ever. So we've uh, loved catching up again. And uh, take care, mate. Have a good Christmas, and uh, and we we'll we'll talk to you in 2021.
5: Are you, now, look, just a quick Christmas thing. I just remembered, alright, now, and thank you for that, Kevin. Look, I've, you know, I always enjoy uh, having a bit of a gas bag with you blokes too, and, yeah. uh, you've, you've been doing a great job, but, um, I don't want to spoil anybody's illusions, but I mentioned the twins and Howard before. Mm. When they were little boys, they, uh, they all had their bedrooms down the back of the house, right? And, you know, probably up to about age five and six for Howard and, you know, two and three. Well, maybe a little bit older. Anyway, at, uh, on Christmas Eve, I would always... We'd have people over for a party, and we'd have a couple and burn some meat and walk around the boulevard and look at the Christmas lights. <laughs> but once the kids had gone to bed, I'd go out there and I'd be barefoot... And I'd have the flower sieve and I'd just do footprints, Santa Claus footprints all the way to the music room up the front of the house on the carpet so that they could follow Santa's footprints up. And they'd they'd come out of their doors and, you know, six o'clock in the morning they go, Oh, he's here. He's been here. And I say, Oh no, look, there's his footprint. Anyway, so I kept that going until I about, um, 19 and then we have to tell them, Anyway, have a great Christmas, you guys, uh, and, um, you know, happy holds and uh, happy Hanukkah and um, uh, namaste and, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> <another dad. laughs> so you know, felice and other Good Go on you, Good on you,
4: Willie, Merry Christmas, mate.
2: Ah, the great Wilbur Wilde. What a legend. Oh, what a raconteur. What a
0: superstar. To... <laughs> he is, isn't he? Funniest, one of the funniest blokes you'll ever meet. And a oh. great saxophone player and really nice to people. He's just good all round. He kind of annoys me sometimes because he's a better person than I am.
2: Isn't Willie just the best person to sit down and have a coffee or a beer with? Because
0: he has a story about everyone. And... Nobody tells a story as no. well as Willie does. Yeah, I his, agree. His, his comedic timing is faultless. Absolutely. Now, you've been
2: working with another man, another very, very talented man uh, called well, Tim Henwood.
0: Well, I have to work with very talented men, uh, <laughs> Kev, because, you know, <laughs> you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with and he's making me look really good.
2: All right. Well, let's, all uh, let's, let's track him down uh, your current uh, partner in crime uh, on the musical scene. Well, at the moment, he certainly is. All right. Fresh from their sold out gigs, we've reunited the, the dynamic duo of uh, Brian Mannix and Tim Henwood. Hello, Tim. Yes. Yeah. How are you, boys? Good. Oh, good. 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 Hey, Tim, so, you've, you've, d- you've done one gig. It
5: went, it went well, yes? Yeah, it went great. We've sold out a couple of shows now. So hopefully, that's a good sign for 2021. Hopefully, it'll be uh, on to bigger and better things with the
4: band and everything. Always oh, much nicer to have the band. But, you know, it's, it's been interesting um, playing just the guitars and a um, little bit of bass, you know. It's been a bit of a challenge, something new, something different. Oh, so I good. love you on the bass, mate. You're killing it on the bass. <laughs> the bass, <laughs> yeah. Kevin, I play the guitar and the bass.
6: <laughs> so um, what are you doing for Christmas, Tim? I'm in Torquay, so we go down to Melbourne for lunch with my um, family at my brother's house. Yeah and we come back to Torquay and have dinner with the other side of the family and, uh, you know, it's
4: just sort of try and chill out by the time we get home so we're back home and
5: at, at home base and then everyone can
4: just relax. Yeah, yeah fair cool. enough. Yeah, and cool. what sort of cuisine
6: will there be at, uh, for for yourself on Christmas Day?
5: I'm not exactly sure. My my sister-in-law, mother's wife, is a exceptionally good cook, so... Sure, she will have some uh, some bloody good stuff on offer, and my my wife's a good cook too. So, oh, wow. <laughs>
6: you might have to uh, you might find I might become a bit of a Vince Neal at the gigs uh, burly- <laughs> earlier.
5: <laughs> you might
6: have to pull
4: me aside and go, mate, come on, you need to chill out. <laughs> You're surrounded by good cooks. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that no, at
2: all. No, not at all. Yep. Uh, Yeah, no, I was just uh, (coughs) actually coughing, (coughs) which is why I couldn't say anything. (laughs) I apologise. He's got the vid,
5: Oh, watch out. The what? The vid. The
2: COVID. No, I haven't got the COVID. No, no, I've I've actually, now here you go, here's here's the the, the, the 2020 question. Have either of you been COVID tested?
6: Yeah. Oh. I haven't, no. Okay. I got tested twice. Did
2: you? Really? Why'd you do that? Well, I was set up just near me, near Westfield. What, you just decided you wanted to have one because it was there? Well,
4: they were telling me to get it done and then the first one I just got it done because it was there. And then the second time, you know, they said if you got any symptoms, and you know, I've always got symptoms, so um, <laughs> I thought I'll go and have another crack. And then because I had the symptoms, I really jammed it up my nose, oh. preferable to jamming it somewhere else. But anyway, hello. Yeah. And was it was it really uh, was it really uncomfortable? The
3: up nose thing? Oh,
4: it's a bit unpleasant, but you know, it wouldn't stop me from doing it again. No, um, no, nah, nah, you sort of actually to my COVID test, but oh, nothing at all geez.
3: wants to go and
4: get another COVID <laughs> test. <Yeah. laughs> Why not? A uh, you no. know, there's a lot of, of chicks hanging out around the COVID test. They oh, just sort of screws in, <laughs> give them something to look at. <laughs> 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 what an idiot. Hopefully they won't have to be too much more of that sort of stuff. in 2021. Uh, eh? Have you done any Christmas shopping, Jim? Uh, no, I've got to be honest. No, I haven't. It no, no, no. no, sounds but like
5: you- your Christmas... Pre- Preparations are about as good as mine.
4: (laughs) So no, I've been too busy worrying about our gigs, mate. Yeah,
2: me too. Now, do you do a Christmas song? Are you going to do a Christmas song at at your gigs at all, or not? Uh, Didn't think of that. Think of that. Uh. Well, what's your favourite
4: Christmas carol, Tim? Now we've just, just ruined our confidence in what we're going to play on Sunday. <laughs> Sorry. <What's
6: laughs> we don't have
5: a Christmas song on. No, what's the point?
6: Ruth, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, 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 we could do a bit of a 12-bar blues version of Jingle Bells or something like that, mate. There you go. Oh,
4: yeah, I, I, could probably, I could probably do a bit of Blue Christmas by Elvis or something. Oh, hello. I like the sound of that. Let's do that.
2: A word of advice, just don't do any Christmas song that has ho, ho, ho in it because Brian just can't keep it together. There you go. See?
1: Ho ho ho! Like prostitutes.
2: I'll be sure to avoid that. Yeah, that'll be a good idea. Hey Tim, uh, have a great Christmas, mate. Uh, I hope the gigs uh, continue to go well, and uh, let's hope there's you know hundreds more of them in 2021.
5: Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Thank you very much, and all the best to
6: both of you for, for Christmas as well. Good so on, on you, Tim. Thanks, that, gentlemen. Man. I'll see you later.
2: The great Tim Henwood, uh, you'll be on stage with him again very soon, Brian. That's uh, that's where again, nicely. Hey, you guys are gonna do some uh, Brian and the Androids gigs next year if you can?
0: Yes, we are. I think oh, um, our first one is on February the sixth or something. Oh, um, good. Yeah, and you know, it's um, look, I love doing absolutely eighties, but um, well, this is a bit more rockin', I reckon. And um, yeah, well, you it's do good schools to do out something different? So, absolutely, I'll do oh. I do schools out. I will open with schools <laughs> yeah. out. It's yeah. such a great song. Yeah, it's a good song. Good anyway, I'm looking forward to that.
2: All right, uh, now we're going to. We've got one more guest,
0: Brian. Yes, another bloke I'll be playing with <laughs> next year. <laughs> and, uh, I imagine I'll be having a few beers with him as oh, well. Oh, you think? Oh, I reckon so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Actually, I, I saw. I went to lunch with him yesterday. Oh, and God. lucky Phil, I got home at eleven from lunch, so it was a, it was a good day. And Max didn't get home till after midnight, so (laughs) there you go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. The most famous of the wars. Here
0: he is. Oh, he's a legend.
2: Uh, It's (laughs) a Christmas show. We're full of the Christmas spirit, Brian, so much so that we've got Maxie War on the line. Hello, Maxie. Hey, how are you? Maxie? Yeah, mate. You got a beer
4: nearby. (laughs) Yes, mate, I have. Why are you laughing? Well, we'd like to hear you taste it. <laughs>
6: You're yeah, really keen
5: on this, aren't you? you oh, love I love stuff,
4: are you? <laughs> I've never <laughs> yeah. heard a bloke enjoy a beer more than you. Let's have a go. Let's have a listen. I don't care about that. I don't know about
3: that. <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh, it's going down the gullet. Oh. Oh. Oh.
3: Right,
6: Mate, that's good. That's very cold. Oh, geez. It's it's a little crazy. bit. That's oh, no, all right. It's half past five. It's all right. Hey, Max, uh, what, are you, what are
2: you doing for Christmas? Well, I don't know, actually.
4: <laughs> I just don't know. Same with children, my girls, my two little girls. Not little girls, big girl and little girl. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's uh-huh. about all. And my girls, my my partner, she's working, I think. So, yeah, probably not much, right, Christmas. Uh-huh. But generally spend the whole day running around, <laughs> running around visiting people, yep. you know, and go and see family. One there, one there,
6: one there, you know, try and do the right thing.
4: Yeah. And all you really want to do is stay home, have a few drinks, make cook lunch. Yes. So, speaking of lunch, do you have any idea what you'll be eating on Christmas Day?
5: Probably go get a bit of seafood, I think, because uh, of this nonsense with China. The mm. price of sea, price of cra- craze has come right, right down. So, uh, probably buy a crayfish or something. Oh, right. Drink some French champagne and maybe um, get, eat some
4: food and, you know. You can probably get some cheap wine, too, because of the China thing. They uh, put the carrots on our wine, so <laughs> probably <that's> okay. <laughs> probably. Cheap wine. Yeah. Um, You'd probably also get some cheap lamb because of the China thing. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of things you could get because of the China thing. You could, couldn't you? Yeah,
5: COVID-19, for instance. <laughs> yeah. You might get that. <laughs> yeah. The horsehead, maxi. where do they play next? Well, we were supposed to be playing in December this, like as in now. We are playing at the corner and they uh, last time we had 1,000 people there and now they said we could have 50 because
4: of the stupid virus thing. So we just thought, uh, let's not. You know, we can't did, you you think, did you think you couldn't fill it? It's just 50. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no,
4: nah, we'll just we'll, you, you, stop being ridiculous.
6: Um, <laughs> so, no, we're, playing on,
5: uh, we're playing grand final
6: eve and uh, grand final night next year. Give yourself plenty of time to practice, to rehearse. 24, 24th and 5th. The tickets have already gone on sale. It's about third pool already. So,
4: that's good, Maxie. Go. Yeah, it is good.
5: There's a, lot of, so there's a lot of love out there, mate. People want
4: to see rock and roll.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah
4: I think they do. Yeah, I think good. they do. So you'll, you'll actually play with the X-Men before you play with Thorstein.
5: I'm looking forward to it all.
4: Yeah, so am I. It's all well and good to hear
6: you have a beer over the phone, but to yeah.
5: actually watch
6: a man enjoy his beer. is just so much better than just listening to it, Jeff. Yeah, I agree, mate, totally. Mate,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. you enjoy your beer too. I know. I do like a beer, but I've got to, I've got to pull back a bit. Get a little bit of a you know, the COVID tummy from the beer. Well, what you got to do is drink the bloody uh, that uh, low carb beer, the pure, the blonde, mate. Drink the blonde. Oh, uh, I always go for blondes, but um, oh, well, I'll give it a crack. But I do say they had more fun, mate. Oh, well, this is what they say at Sexyland, blondes have more, and it uh, starts with a C. And <laughs> sounds like something.
2: Brian. <laughs> well, that's
4: what it does. was the name of the, div- it's the VD- DVD? It was called Blondes Have More. Yes, I'm
2: sure it was. Wow. Well, yes. Well, I tried to write a song called that, it's, but no one would let me. It's Christmas time. It's family time, Brian, not Sexyland time. Well, wow. wow. I tell
4: you what—if you're short of a present, just lob in the <laughs> sexy land, and well, you know, no, they've got some great stuff in there. Um, yeah, oh, you got, got a, a sexy tr- land up
5: the end of your street, I mean, That's you've got a stone throw,
4: is not it? The Bunnings of Dildos is a stone throw from my house, <laughs> and right, right. I bought a couple of things for presents, f- presents already. Did you just call I it the st-
2: Bunnings of Dildos? Yes, he did it's the Dan
4: Murphy's of Dildo. Uh, yeah, but, that's better. Right. The Dan Murphys of Dildo. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought I bought um I bought a couple uh, of things from Sexy Land oh, as you know. go. Right. Yeah. I got some Jesus soap. What? And this is soap that's in the shape of Jesus and it's very good for washing away your sins. So that's oh. pretty cool. Oh, dear. Right. Uh, and I got oh, I got a cock sock. I don't know who I'll give that to, but it's like a little rainbow coloured Stock that goes over your scrotum and your, your, um, your, and your thing. And then I got uh-huh. a plastic finger pen, and when you pull the finger, the pen farts. So uh-huh. it's uh-huh. a little good gadget and uh-huh. you
2: nick your nick-
3: finger. Nick- nick- Very mature, together, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Very mature. Very mature.
2: How did this conversation get here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think know. Kevin Drex, uh, oh, yes. yes, Maxie. Thank you for being on our program uh, now. Now twice. Uh, we've uh, we we love having welcome. you on, and we'll have you on in 2021. And uh, let's hope you have a good Christmas and a happy New Year. And we'll talk to you in the New Year.
5: Thanks very kindly, Kev. You take care, mate. And uh, man, I'm a boy. I will see you in the near future, buddy.
4: You shall indeed. I'll see you before Christmas,
5: mate. All
4: right, mate. Take care, All guys. Right. Cheers, Maxie. See you later.
2: Now, he was the final guest for 2020 for a reason, Brian. <laughs> we might not be back in 2021 based on that, but anyway, we'll see how we well, go. Well,
0: what a final guest he was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> when it was on last time, I got all these texts from people that said, oh, I love listening to you and Maxi crap on it. <laughs> then they said... He could talk underwater, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, yep, you've yeah. got him sussed. Yeah. Fantastic. no, he
2: absolutely could. Absolutely could. And why wouldn't you? Um, our thanks to uh, to Ross Wilson for being on uh, on this particular edition of the podcast. To uh, to Eve and to uh, to Wilbur, to Tim, to Maxie and to uh, Mark Lane at uh, Murcotts, thanks for, for being part of our Christmas show too. And also our producer, Chris Gates, who's done such a great job for us during the year. Really appreciate your great work, Gates, and uh, look forward to uh, many more next year. Uh, that's uh, that's twenty twenty. Uh, Done and dusted, uh, Brian We're going to move
0: on to uh, Bigger and better things Hopefully in 2021 Well, Kev Are you keen to play play A Christmas song At the end of the show? What have you got for me? Well I've got this one And it's Oh, Oh, holy night Mm -hmm. It is Well, it's A very, very Unique version of it Done by? It sounds like Some Asian guy That's tone deaf Um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I don't know that for sure. But I think the, the audience will really enjoy this.
2: All right. Well, we'll finish with this surprise Christmas ending. Uh, thanks to, uh, to Murcots. Don't forget you've still got time to grab a, a Christmas voucher as a gift uh, on the website, murcots.edu.au, or give them a buzz and they'll organise it for you, one 555 Hey, Brian, thanks. This has been uh, just a, a joy. We've done 15 episodes, but, uh, gee, we've covered some territory and, and spoken oh. to some great people and had a really good time doing this.
0: We've had some fantastic guests and that's a tribute to you, Kev, because you've organised pretty much all of them and probably no better than getting Alice Cooper. Um, But Dick Smith I was really keen to talk to and I love Peter Hitchener. Um, Willie's great. Frankie Holden was great. In fact, I don't think we've had a dud guest on the show. I think everybody's been really, really good.
2: Oh, there was You Know Who. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, everyone's been terrific. Dennis Kometty, uh, Richard Wilkins, Dennis Committee. Yes. I just wanted you to do the voice again. Thank uh, you very much. Uh, now, I, I, I can I'm not going to say who it is, but I have got one coming up early in the new year that is 99.9% confirmed that is going to blow everyone's
0: socks off. Can I say who it is?
2: No, you don't even know.
0: Oh, <laughs> I, I thought t- you were talking about a. No, 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 no. Not, oh, okay, not, no. All right. I'll wait. I will wait and find out. That'll no,
2: no, you're talking about a female guest that we have. That's what He'll I'm be talking on the first, about. he will be on the first show for next year. No, She's this a is a male guest who might either be on the first or second show of next year. It's not Rocky
0: Burnett, is it? Blow your brains out, Brian. Oh, we had shaky. I wouldn't mind getting Rocky Burnett no, on. No,
2: well, okay, I can work on Rocky, but I, I don't know his number for the bus, busking hotline. Lucky. I'll have to get that.
0: I'm <laughs> sure you've probably got somebody better than Rocky. But I, you know, I <laughs> always get Rocky? the other Rockies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, one,
2: have, a, have a great Christmas, mate, to, to you and Sue and the family. Uh, and, enjoy it uh, because it's been what, a hell of a shitty year. So let's hope yeah. for, uh, that uh, this is the kind of end of it and we can all enjoy 2021 a lot more than we enjoyed 2020.
0: Yes, well said, Kevin. Same to you and your family. And um, Merry Christmas to everybody yep. listening. Thanks for your support. And uh, thanks to Mercotts And have here's a great boxing dreadful, day. Here's Christmas this dreadful
2: <laughs> dreadful Christmas song we're going to finish with.
0: It's going to be great, Kevin. You're going <laughs> to yeah, love it. Right. You are going <laughs> to love this. This is a real treat for our listeners. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brian. See you next year. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Oh, holy night.
4: The stars are high. Brightly shining It is the night
3: Of our dear Savior's birth
2: Long may the world In
4: sin and error Till he appears and this soul
1: felt its
3: worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world we rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn.